We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Luke chapter 18. Today we cover verses 31 through 43. And we see, first of all, a lesson on listening, listening to the teacher. And then secondly, a lesson on praying, praying to the healer. Look what we read here in verse 31. It says, And then he took the twelve aside and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles and will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him, and the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. I mean, there's more here. Uh, we know that when you look at this right here, you see that Jesus Christ is on his way to Jerusalem. It's the last time. You know, he's going to go there to die. The Bible says that he sets his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. You know, they, they say there's two types of courage. There's one that's more of a, an instinctive courage that right there when you're in the middle of the, of the incident, boom, you know, it just kind of kicks in and, a lot of it probably has to do with the testosterone and instincts. Uh, but there's a, a second kind of courage, and it's a contemplative courage. It's a courage that knows that if I travel this road, if I go forward here, then I, you know, will be facing danger. I might die. The second courage is the greater courage. And that's the courage that Jesus Christ shows at this point. He tells his disciples, you know what, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. And when you put all the Gospels together, I'm going to be delivered to the chief priests, the scribes, the Gentiles, Pontius Pilate, all the Roman rulers. They're going to take me and they're going to mock me. They're going to insult me. They will spit upon me. They will scourge me. They will kill me. But on the third day, he always says this when he says the cross, I'll rise again. You know, and that is uh, an important lesson for the disciples. But it's crazy. Again, when you look at verse 34, it says they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not know the things which were spoken. You know, when you look at this right here, it's uh, it's a trip, man. It's, a, it's just weird. Why wouldn't they understand something so clearly spoken from the lips of the Lord? But before you criticize them, you might want to check your own heart. Why is it that a lot of times we do not hear the words, the, the message that is so clear and so simple in that the Lord is speaking to us? You know, I think when we we really contemplate Christianity. It's a life in which God calls us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Him. And one of the things about that, I think, is uh, I like this little saying: the crucified life is a simplified life. And you know, 
I think we live in a world that's very complex. We live in a world that's vying for our attention. And we've got 100,000 people telling us what we should do. And what ends up happening is we don't do anything because we get frustrated that we can't do 100,000 things. When in all reality, God is saying, son, Manny, this is what I'm speaking to you. Listen to me. And there's five things that God wants me to do today. Now, the five things by the power of the Holy Spirit, when he reveals what they are and he gives me his strength, I'm able to do. But the problem is, a lot of times we are not really listening to the Lord. And that's their problem. You know, these guys right here, Jesus is going to share these words. It's so important for them to understand this message. It really is. You know, when we read the Bible, the Lord warned them about the persecutions and the executions that would eventually come. They would all experience it, as a matter of fact, so that when those hard times came, they would not stumble. It says in John chapter 16, verse 1, These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. Why do you stumble? Why do I stumble? Because we're not listening to the clear word of the Lord. You know, he's saying, I want to tell you this thing about the cross, about the spitting, about the mocking, about the scourging, about the killing, and on the third day I'm going to rise again so that you won't stumble, but they couldn't hear, so they stumbled. And we, a lot of times, we won't hear. And that's why we stumble. You guys, listen. We have to listen to the Lord. You know, the Lord said, all these things were prophesied about me. You know, you can go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I mean, Psalm 22, Isaiah 53. When you read through the Bible, you read about the Passover lamb or the rock that was smitten or about the bread that came down from heaven. I mean, you can read about Jesus in the entire Old Testament. All these things were prophesied about him. In the volume of the book, it's written of him. It says in Hebrews 10, verse 7. And you'll see the suffering Savior all throughout the historical books and the prophetical books and the poetical books. It says in Luke 24, verse 44, you see, Jesus warned them of the coming cross, all prophesied, so that when it came, they wouldn't be made to stumble, number one. And number two, they'd know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was in complete control. You know, they're like, wait a minute, man. This is the one who, you know, calmed the storm. This is the one that raised the dead. This is the one that made the lame to walk, the blind to see, the mute to speak, the deaf to hear. This is the one who fed 10,000 people at one time. Why is it that he's on that cross? And they weren't listening to the Lord at that moment. God wanted them to know, I am in complete control. And there you are in your life, and you don't understand why this is happening. You don't understand the opposition, the persecution, the confusion at times. There we are in our life, in our problems, physically, emotionally, financially, especially spiritually. There you are as a Christian, you've been coming to church, you've been a Christian for a long time, and maybe you feel lost because we're not, we're not listening to the Lord. We need to know God's in complete control. John chapter 16, verse 4, These things I have told you, that when the time comes, you may remember that I told you of them. 
And so wouldn't it be cool, man? I mean, I know it sounds like so far-fetched sometimes, and it sounds like so, you know, maybe even mystical, but it's really biblical when you understand that, you know, when you're seeking the Lord, you know, when you're really desiring to hear his voice, that he will tell you oftentimes in advance to prepare you for that temptation, to prepare you for that altercation. But a lot of times we're not listening. We get discouraged. We get depressed. We stumble. And the Lord is saying the problem is you're not listening, you see. You know, I think that if we understood that God is in complete control, that we would have greater self-control. God will help us. God will speak to us. These are things that we need to take to heart. But we read right here in verse 34 that the apostles understood, think about this, none of these things. They did not have a clue. You ever feel like that? Some of you are like that, man. Blues clues, man. That's what's going on, right? You know, as we read it, it seems so simple. The message is so simple. But remember, we have a slight advantage. Why? Because hindsight is twenty-twenty. Foresight, on the other hand, now that's a lot different, right? I mean, the Lord had told them over and over again, but the problem was that they weren't listening. And you know, this is a cool thing about the Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're like, wow, man, I, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. The cool thing about the Lord is that he will repeat himself. Did you guys know that? You know, he doesn't have to be that way. And I guess if I was to get real dogmatic, he doesn't have to. But because of his grace and his love and his desire to truly work deeply in our life, he will continue to speak to us like he was the apostles. You know, it's interesting. If you go back to Luke chapter 5, verse 35, He had warned them, and he says it in different ways, but here in Luke chapter 5, verse 35, he begins to speak to them, and he says here, the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Now, if you were the apostles at that point, you should have asked, Lord, what does you mean by that? We're going to see later. They were afraid to ask questions. Luke chapter 9, if you would, go over there to Luke chapter 9, in verse 22, It says, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. I mean, he told them that. Pretty easy to understand, right? Luke chapter 9, notice this one in verse 44. Jesus said this, check it out. Let these words sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. But they did not understand the saying, and it was hidden from them, so that they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. You know, it trips me out when you see the Lord. You know, let me tell you something, man. He wants you to hear his voice. I remember my pastor used to always ask me, what's the Lord been showing you? What's the Lord been showing you? If I was to ask you that today, would you be able to say this is the voice, the message from God to me? We should always be in that place. 
A lot of times we just don't listen. These guys right here, the Lord wanted to sink in, but it wouldn't sink in. If you go over to chapter 12, notice what it says in verse 50. Luke chapter 12, verse 50. But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. The Lord was just giving them clues, talking to him over and over again in Luke 17, verse 25. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. You see, the Lord warned them about all this so that they would not be made to stumble, so they would know that God was in complete control. If only they would have been better listeners, they wouldn't have stumbled. They would have always known that the Lord was in control. And I would say that those are two things that can help us very much. But we need to learn the lesson of listening. You know, listening is an art, huh? Are any of you guys one of those types of people that when you enter into a conversation with someone, that all you do is talk? Just out of curiosity. (laughs) You know, you got to really listen. And it, and it's not an easy thing, uh, especially for some of you husbands here, right? You know, they say that our wives speak a lot more than we do, and so we've already got, you know, done with our talking at work, and we come home, and there needs to be conversations that take place, but when we listen, we can't just listen to the content of what they say. We have to listen to the tone of voice. We have to look at their body language. Uh, we have to look into their eyes. We have to look into their hearts. Listening is an art. Listening is a heart. And listening to the Lord is an art of the heart that not a lot of people have. And it's very important for us to cultivate that. Real quick, what is it that gets in the way of us listening to the Lord? What is it uh, that gets in the way? Because let me tell you something, man. If your heart is still beating on this side of time, and you know, who knows how it works after we die, but I'll tell you what, man. God is always sending you love letters. God is always counseling you. God is speaking to you. And a lot of times the bottom line is we're just not listening and and so what is it that gets in the way? And, and and there's three things I think the Bible speaks of very clearly. Number one, carnality. Carnality. You read in First Corinthians chapter three, verse one and two. And I, brethren, I could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. You see, the Corinthians were, you know, caught up in a lot of different things, a lot of different things, and therefore they could not hear. They could not take the meat. They could only have milk. Paul said, I wanted to speak to you the deep things of God, but I couldn't because you're carnal. Maybe you're here today and you're living in an unrepentant sin. You're in the middle of sin and you're settled in sin. You're stuck in your sin. You don't want to change. Well, the the, the thing that you have to understand is that until you repent, you will not hear the voice of God. Oh, you might get a little bit of milk, but you're not going to get the meat that will strengthen you. And so number one is, is carnality. 
Number two is a hard heart. A hard heart. And we have a few verses over in the Gospel of Mark. If you would turn to Mark chapter 6. And notice what it says here in Mark chapter 6. In verse 51, it says, Then he, Jesus, went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves, beyond measure, and they marveled. In other words, they were tripping out. Man, I can't believe Jesus did this. It was just mind-boggling to them. And it says in verse 52, For they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Now, the interesting thing there is that this is God speaking to them in a miracle that he has done in the circumstances of life. He just got done feeding 10,000 people, and they did not understand what that meant. And, you know, I don't know if we know, if we realize how much God has done for us, what God did for us, what God is doing in the world around us today. But if we're not listening, we're going to miss out on the messages of all the miracles. Why? Because our hearts will be hard. You see, and you guys know how it is, you know. We talk about Matthew chapter 13, how the seed goes into the ground. And, and you know, sometimes it falls on the wayside. Sometimes it, it falls in shallow ground. Sometimes it falls on, on crowded ground. But if the word of God falls on a good ground and a soft soil and a tender heart, do you know what God will do with that? But then there's those times where the classic example of a hardened heart is the Pharaoh, right? In the book of Exodus, you read the whole story there. And what you find is that when God spoke to him, he wouldn't listen. God spoke to him, he wouldn't listen. God said, do this, and they did that. He refused and he insisted and he persisted and he resisted the voice of God. And every time you say no to God, every time you say, I won't do things your way, I will do things my way, every single time you harden your heart. And that's why it's important for us when we hear the word of God to respond to it. Because every time you do respond, your heart becomes a little softer. But what happened? Pharaoh kept hardening his heart, hardening his heart, hardening his heart. Before you know it, it was concrete. And that's why it's important for us to understand. You know, and I just pray, and I'm not messing around. I pray you guys would know this. God, the living, loving God, the maker and maintainer of the universe, wants to speak to you. We need to listen. What gets in the way? Sin, carnality, Hard hearts, and the third thing is preconceived ideas. Preconceived ideas. Oh, I already got this figured out, Lord. I don't need any counsel. You know, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. After all this thing had taken place, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still caught up in what? In an earthly kingdom, right? And so they had, there's this no way the Messiah could die. There's no way he could suffer and be crucified, right? There's no way. They just were not open to that. And what I found is that when you 
you know, you, you just get rid of the preconceived ideas. And every time you approach the scriptures and every time you come to a Bible study and every time you're listening to the counsel of the Christian or the counsel of uh, the new believer, you're looking at life, you're listening to the Lord, you're just always open to what he would want to say to you. And you begin to live your life outside of that box a lot of times that we create. Yesterday I had the privilege of watching a, a, um, what's it called, a documentary on the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. You guys have heard of him, right? Great man of God, living in a a pretty interesting time in which you guys know the rise of Adolf Hitler, you know, 1931, all the way through 40, and then the, the the war began. He was right in the middle of that whole scene. He was right in the thick of things. And why is it that you weren't born 10 years ago? Why is it you weren't born 10 years from now? Why? Because today you're living in a world that God wants you to impact. Today, you're living today. We're in the middle of all this mess. And God wants us to change the world. But we've got to make sure, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that we don't live in the box. You know, there was a church box. Everybody was cool with this You know, this guy Hitler, even the churches, the Catholic Church even entered into a covenant with Hitler. That's how bad it was. But Bonhoeffer thought outside of the box, it was not a preconceived idea for him. His thing was, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, necessarily, and you read his writings and it's pretty interesting. And I know this can be a little hard to understand, but it wasn't just what's right or wrong. Although that's important, we know that's true. Uh, Beyond that is, God, what do you want me to do? And the only way you will hear that is if you listen. And I'm here to tell you today, guys, sisters, brothers, That if you listen, my prayer is that God would use your life like he did Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And all these, you know, men of God that were nothings and realized that God was everything and God could do it. Why? Because they were surrendered to him. But if we don't listen to the Lord, if we don't know his marching orders for my life, we will meander through life. And when it's all said and done, we're going to find that what ended up happening is we just went in circles and we wandered through the wilderness and we never did really enter into the promised land. You see, it's so important that we learn the lesson of listening to the Lord. And then we begin to act on that. You know, we need to pray Psalm 119, verse 18. You guys know that verse, right? What is it, right? Open my eyes, that I may see wondrous things from your law. Lord, open my eyes. And I like what we read later on in Acts chapter 16, verse 14. It's talking about this lady named Lydia, and the Bible says the Lord opened her heart to the things that were spoken by Paul. Lord, open my eyes, Lord. I don't want to walk around anymore with shut eyes. Lord, open my heart. I don't want a hard heart. And then later in Luke 24, verse 44, he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. 
I'm telling you, there's a message from the Almighty that a lot of times we are not listening to. And we see a classic example right here. It's so simple. It's so clear. And yet we can miss it if we're not really listening. See, it's a lesson on listening to our teacher. And it's a lesson on praying to our healer. Because look what you read next. It says right here in Luke chapter 18, beginning now in verse 35, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, man, he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. Isn't that what we want to do? Glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, did what? Gave praise to God. Matthew says as they went out of Jericho, here we read they were coming into Jericho. The reason being there were two Jerichos. There was the old city and the new one built by Herod. When you put the Gospels together, you find that there were two blind men begging, but one was more outspoken. This one is named in Matthew 10, verse 46, as Bartimaeus. His name means son of the unclean. And so there he is, the son of the unclean. He's a beggar. He's not just a beggar. He's a blind beggar. He doesn't have a lot of hope, right? And what ends up happening, we read his story. It's really cool. Because this man receives his sight because he believes in the Savior. You see, we have for us today a lesson in listening and I think a lesson in praying. Have you guys heard that saying that Christianity is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread? (laughs) That's what we are. We're beggars. Lord, I need you. Are you handicapped? You are, big time, man. You guys are blind and lame and mute. Can't hear, can't speak. You know? And we need the Lord. We need the Lord to, you know, give us His sufficiency because we're not sufficient for these things. This blind beggar right here, he comes and it's so cool. You know, I was like this blind beggar. This guy right here, though had gone through this life, and and, and this is different. We're going to see later, he wasn't always blind. He, He wants to see again. And so there was a time in his life when he could see. And, you know, and then I don't know how it happened, but somewhere along the line, he couldn't see anymore. Imagine that, man. You used to be able to see the kids. You used to be able to see the colors. You used to be able to see the sky, the stars, the sunsets. You used to be able to see the family and their faces, their beautiful faces. And now you can't see them anymore. Now you live in a world that's completely dark. 
Now here's this blind man, and, and he may have been blind, but he definitely wasn't deaf. Because look what you read in verse 36, and hearing a multitude passing by, he asked, you know, what's going on, basically? Hey, what's going on? And so they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And there you see the man at that point began to cry. Right? He cried out, saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, the beggar instantly begins to cry. Why? Because although he's blind, he's not deaf, and he's heard not only that Jesus is passing by, but he's heard the stories of Jesus of Nazareth. And he believes in them, and he believes in him. And he knows that Jesus has done this many times. He's had it in his heart and mind that Jesus, the son of David, is the only one that can help him. You know, and, and I don't know where you're at, know what your situation is. Maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your finances. I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just something that only you know about. You're there and you feel so alone because you're trapped in whatever it is. I'm here to tell you that it doesn't matter what your situation is, that Jesus Christ has met people there time and time again in his faithfulness and in his power and he's delivered them and he set them free. And you got to know that that same God is available to you. He's always in your vicinity. And so what ends up happening? Well, Bartimaeus, he teaches us what we need to do, you guys. We need to cry out. We need to cry out. And as you cry out and as you begin to pray, the way that you should pray, you know, then what's going to happen is the devil's going to come, come at you. That's the one thing he doesn't want you to do. You can go to church every day. Who cares? You can do whatever it is. Do all your Bible studies. Do all your good deeds. Give all your money away. I'm telling you this, man. But if you don't pray, then you are doing all those things under your own guidance and your own strength. And it's futile. God is gracious, but God makes it clear what he demands of his children. I want to talk to you. It's a conversation. It's a relationship with God. But see, the enemy doesn't like it. And that's why, for some of you here, it's hard to pray. Because the enemy has done everything he can to keep you from you getting on your knees. You know, they say, the cultural you know, teachers tell us that in those days when the rabbis would walk around, that they would be teaching as they're walking. It's kind of cool. You know, so here's Jesus, and he's teaching as he's walking, and you got guys that are in front of him, everybody's listening. It's a, it's a relative quiet crowd. Why? Because they're listening to the rabbi. But then all of a sudden, in the middle of the study, man, this guy just cries out. He begins to make a whole bunch of noise. You know, they say it's Jesus of Nazareth. That's this historical identification. But he says, no, he's not just a historical figure. He's not just Jesus of Nazareth. He's the son of David. He's the king. He's the Messiah. He's a savior. I know who he is. And he just cries out in the middle of their Bible study. What would you guys do if that happened right now, you know? You guys, ushers, ushers, everybody would be like, hey, Stop this guy. Now, I know it's a different situation. I realize that. But 
you know, you got to kind of picture what's going on here. It was ailing prayer. It was prevailing prayer. You're not going to cry out if you don't know you're blind. You know, a lot of times, and this is, I think, where we are in today's church. We are a deaf church. We are a blind church. And it breaks my heart. We don't realize we're deaf. Because we know what to do. We know the machine. We know the routine. We know how to go to church on Sundays. To be involved in ministry without ever hearing from God. We know how to do that. And we're not hearing God. We're not seeing God. If you don't know you're blind and if you don't know you're deaf, why would you cry out? You gotta be honest. You gotta say, Lord, I wanna hear your voice. If someone comes up to me and says, What's the Lord been showing you? I wanna make something up. I wanna be able to say that I have heard God's voice. This is what He's saying. And this is what He's doing, and it's beautiful, it's marvelous, and I see it. And the Bible says that Moses was able to you know, resist the riches of Egypt, and they say they offered him to be Pharaoh three times. He resisted it. Why? Because he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We got to admit, Lord, I want to hear you. Lord, I want to see you. There'll be the ailing prayer. And then when the enemy comes against us in the world and the flesh and everything, you know, you'd rather play than pray, that's for sure. You know, then what ends up happening is you overcome. You know, there's one English word, he says cried. He says cried. In the Greek, it's two different words. The first one is like a shout. The second one is like this noise that, that, that an animal would make. It's interesting. The word is even translated croak. Barclay says in verse 38, it's an ordinary loud shout to attract attention. But then when they tell him, no, stop. You know, shouting in verse 39, it's an instinctive shout of ungovernable emotion, a scream and almost a cry. The word well shows the desperation of the man. And I'm not necessarily saying that we got to shout, you know, out. I remember one time this lady came and she was shouting over my father-in-law, you know, rebuking the demons and just making a bunch of noise and scaring people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a cry from your heart. Maybe it will be a shout. I don't want to put God in a box. But all I know is that it's true. And it's desperate. That's what happened. That's what this man did. He's an example for us on how to pray. He was determined to come face to face with Jesus. Nothing would stop him. He refused to be silent. He refused to be restrained. His sense of need drove him relentlessly into the presence of Jesus. William Barclay said, if a man wants a miracle, that is the spirit he must show. A gentle, sentimental longing never really taps the power of God. But the passionate, intense desire of the very depths of the human heart will never be disappointed. You know, C.H. Spurgeon said this, prayer pulls the rope down below and the great bell rings above in the ears of God. Some scarcely stir the bell, for they pray so languidly. Others give only an occasional jerk at the rope. 
But he who communicates with heaven is the man who grasps the rope boldly and pulls continuously with all of his might. And the Lord teaches us a lesson on listening and a lesson on praying. You know, the apostles weren't listening. The apostles were deaf and this man was blind. God was available for both. Bartimaeus was the one that chose the right road. You know, one other thing that might keep you from prayer, maybe you just don't feel worthy. You know, I know I've been there many times where like, Lord, I know if I was to try right now, you'd probably tell me to go away. Try. Because this man, he didn't cry out for anything but mercy. He didn't come in his own righteousness. He didn't come and say, Lord, you know, I've been praying for an hour a day for the last month. Lord, I give, you know, 10%. Lord, I've got it all together. You've got to hear me. No, he didn't come like that. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. You know, earlier Luke 18, we read the same thing. The tax collector couldn't even lift his eyes. All he could do is beat his breast and say, be merciful to me, a sinner. But you gotta admit you're a sinner. You gotta be willing to turn from your sin. God will be merciful to you. God will bless you. God will show you colors you've never seen. He will open your eyes. I mean, He will draw near. I like what we read in verse 40. It says, So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. When I read verse 40, it reminded me of Joshua chapter 10. You guys remember that chapter, man? Joshua chapter 10, when Joshua was out there in the battlefield and he wanted to finish the job. Remember what he said? Let the sun stand still. And he did. I'm telling you this, you guys, and I don't know who it is you need to pray for. I don't know what it is you need to pray for. I know for all of us here, we know our own struggles, our own challenges, our own desires. But when you get serious with the Lord, and you begin to pray like this, then the sun will stand still. And then you will be, what, near to the Lord. It brought him near. And then he says, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that so beautiful? Isn't that so personal? What would you say to God if God right here, right now, came to you and said, what do you want me to do for you? I think that's another Question that we should have the answer for. You know, I remember in 1 Kings chapter 3 when the Lord appeared to Solomon. And the Lord said, Solomon, I'll give you anything you want. What is it that you want? He knew, Lord, I need wisdom. It, literally in the Hebrew, it's an understanding heart. I need to be able to hear you Because these people that you love so much, 
I don't know how to lead him. He knew exactly what he was supposed to pray for. You know, and we need to have that understanding. Lord, you know, and I think for me, I mean, I, I need wisdom. I've always asked for that from day one. Manny, what do you want us to pray for you? Pray for wisdom. An understanding heart. A hearing heart. And then, if you can, you know, pray. And then you, maybe your defect. What's your defect, you know? What's your struggle? What's your challenge? The blind man said, Rabboni, that I may see. So cool. And the Lord said, Man, your faith has, has made you well. Receive your sight. It's so beautiful what God ends up doing. Jesus responded to their faith and healed them. And what a change took place. Are you ready for a change? I mean, is there something in your life that's just not clicking? Are you, don't you want to change? I mean, don't you need to see? They went from darkness to light. They went from begging to having. They went from sitting to following. They went from crying to praising. And God will do that work when you get real with him. See, we learn this lesson right here. How many times have we read about what a difference faith has made? Luke 7, verse 50, he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. In Luke 8, 48, he said to her daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Again, go in peace. In Luke 17, 19, he said, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. You're like, well, I don't know. Like, how does it work? And I, and it's very simple. We gotta believe in order to receive. We've gotta obey. We've gotta pray. This life as a Christian is not as complicated as you might think. You know, you can keep coming to Bible studies until you die. But it's not until you cultivate a life of prayer. And, and your people, you know, we talk to people, and don't get me wrong, we're not, you know, frustrated or anything, but man, how many people would have their problems answered if only they began to pray, they began to fast, began to seek the Lord. Your faith will make you well. Jesus will tell you that one day when you get real. You see, as a result of that, this man became a follower and he became a God-glorifier. And this is where we need to be as well. I pray that we would take heed to this. I know that, in, you know, going through this study right here, you know, I, I never come to you guys. I never come as a man who's got it all together. But I tell you what, I'm trying. I'm trying my best to seek the Lord with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. I know what it means to have a prayer life. I know what it means to hear the voice of God. I know what it means, man, to have these things. And I know this, that if we learn these lessons, there will be less sins in our life. I know this, man. And I know this right here, that as God calls us to take up our cross, and it's not complicated, it's not sophisticated. The crucified life is a simplified life. 
Very simple. I don't care what the whole world is saying. I don't care what Manny's saying. I don't care what the church is saying a lot of times. I just want to hear God's voice. We need to have that heart because when we're in tune with Him, you know, we will be in tune with each other. And so let's learn the lessons of listening to our teacher and praying to our healer. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for loving us, not in light of us, but in spite of us. I thank you for loving us because of who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would come and just bless your people here today. I pray, Lord, that we would realize it's not just for the pastors or the leaders. It's for everybody. Because every part of the body is is beautiful. Vital. And Lord, help us, Lord, to be a healthy congregation, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you would encourage any that are down today, Lord God, I pray, especially, Father, for anyone here today who doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would come to receive you as Lord and Savior. And just with every eye closed, every head bowed, if you are here today and you don't know the Lord, you're not a Christian, you need to know that Jesus Christ loves you. He died for you on the cross. And the Bible says that God loves you so much that he gave his only son. If you would believe in him, you won't perish, but you'll have everlasting life. What you got to do is you got to acknowledge that you're a sinner in desperate need of a Savior. And today, be willing to turn from those sins and trust in Christ. And so if you're here and you want to be a Christian, you want forgiveness, you want to go to heaven when you die. And just pray this prayer in your heart. I'm going to say this prayer. You just pray it to God. Just you and God. You don't even have to say it out loud. You just pray it to God. And mean it. And just say, Dear Lord, I come to you today. I admit I have sinned. But I turn from my sin. And I receive you. Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live this life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, your name just got written in the book of life. But eventually, I would say today, you're going to have to confess in publicly. So you come forward. We'd love to pray with you after... We have communion, man, but it's important that you get that follow-up counsel. What we're going to do now is we're going to have communion. I encourage you guys to think on these things. Worship. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.